So we've got some great passages to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about a section in paper 65 called the Urantia Adventure. And it's good to be back. I took a bit of a hiatus and we'll get underway with some feedback on some listener email coming up as well. And also a promotion of something very exciting that's coming soon to Urantia Radio Podcast. So stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the sound of Sagittarius and an energy burst that our satellites have picked up in recent months. Welcome to another edition of the Rancher Radio Podcast. My name is uh, Jim Watkins. It's good to have you here. It's uh, been a little bit of time. I always apologize because there's just never enough time in the day to get to these podcasts. And I love, it's one of the few real joys that I have in my life is being able to share the Urantia book. So welcome one, welcome all. Uh, this is, of course, a, a a podcast that dedicates itself to trying to understand the Urantia book, uh, examining it. You know, I've read it for so many years, so many decades, and every time I read passages uh, for the 50th time, for the 7th time, whatever it is, I always gain some kind of increased wisdom or appreciation of the Urantia book and what it's trying to say. And what is the Urantia book trying to say? Well, it's saying that we're not alone. We have a very busy, busy universe. We are part of such an, a tremendous a tremendously important project, the emergence of the Supreme. And we all play a role in that. We are all we are all God's children. Even people who aren't religious, they're playing a role in the evolution of life itself as ordained by the Father when he said, be you perfect even as I am perfect. And I know that a lot of people have challenges when it comes to that. And today, uh, I tell you, there's so much ideological confusion around. And, and I agree, there's a lot of tension right now, especially with this uh, silly war that's breaking out. Again, lack of diplomacy, lack of true w- wisdom. You know, you learn a lot from the paper in the Arantia book about government on a neighboring planet, and they illustrate the foibles that their planet has uh, in the fact that there's, I think there's six continents or five continents, and all but one are, are basically savage-like, they're... they're far below the evolutionary path, and there's just one continent that's actually doing it right. And the Arantia book authors talk about the fact that even today in our world, there are emerging countries where the seeds of truth are planting, and who knows where these countries will lead to. Now, 300 years ago, this country emerged uh, with a unique concept, which was liberty, the idea of the individual being endowed by the Creator to have free free will and free, and liberty. Liberty and free will go hand in hand. And it so happens that the Arantia book 
also confirms that God has given us free will. God has to give us that choice to choose between good and evil. Uh, and so that's where we're at. We, th- that is the one of the fundamental focuses of this life is trying to achieve a moral balance uh, and and seek perfection on some level, whether it's in our careers where we're trying to be as good as we can be in that trade, or if we're an artist and we're constantly trying to perfect our artistry, if we're writers, we're constantly trying to write the perfect story, scientists trying to find the cure to a disease, everyone is in it to win it. You know, everybody has a stake in the game because we're all motivated by the desire to be better. And uh, it doesn't take a great religion. It's nice to have a great religion that expounds upon that truth in a million ways, which is why I enjoy the Arantia book so much. I'm free to follow the truth, as Jesus said in paper 155 on the Discourse of Religion. We're free to follow the truth. Follow the truth where it leads. And you can tell what the truth is because truth is tied together with beauty and goodness, those three uh, divine principles. And you see them in all kinds of religions. Falun Gong celebrates something similar to Buddhism. Christianity has its own set of of principles that it's guided by. Uh, The Jewish uh, religion has its principles, its laws that it follows. So we're all on different paths, but we're headed toward the same goal, perfection. Be you perfect, even as I am perfect. So uh, we'll get to the paper here that I think kind of addresses a little bit about that, about the Urantia adventure and what possibly what we can glean from this paper. And you can check it out with me. It's paper 65, section 4. I also want to take a moment and thank profusely a couple of people, uh, Brother Joshua Wilson. We haven't had him on in a while, but we will. But I've had some uh, chatter with him on and off again, and uh, he's got some exciting things going on. And so we'll talk to him probably in the in the weeks ahead. Uh, also, I want to get back on with Joel Garbin. We've got a lot of catching up to do with the whole UFO thing and, and what's going on in that realm. Then also, uh, we... Uh, want to thank uh, April Helen for coming on the program. April Helen is a delightful, spirit, spirit-filled person, and I really enjoyed her conversation. And we want to get back together in the weeks ahead and talk about uh, more on the Supreme Being, because she and I decided that was, a, that was an area that a lot of people uh, would appreciate. I, I've heard it said by a lot of people that they may not believe in a personal God, but they do believe in a Supreme Being. And there's an important distinction between the two. And so we'll probably get together. And then also Gabriel Reinberg and his team, Rick Lyon, CFU, is well underway, and they're making tremendous project uh, uh, progress. Um, And we're going to talk with them in a week or so about what is going on, uh, Center for Unity and their Jesus Project. And they've got some pretty interesting things that we'll get into. So that's all coming up. Uh, and then, oh, also want to give out the email address, which is urantiabookradio at gmail.com. And the website is still there, urantiaradio.net. And so paper 65 in section four, and this is the section, I believe it's in part three of the book, uh, on the over control of evolution. 
and uh, and it talks about the features of human life that afford the evidence that the phenomena of moral existence was intelligently planned. So, you know, that's an argument that they have in, in science today was, you know, is evolution natural? Does it just occur on its own spontaneous nature? Or is it intelligently controlled? Now, if it's intelligently controlled, then that brings into existence a whole set of paradigms which means that there are intelligences beyond our own that we don't have a good grasp or understanding of. Because what kind of an intelligence could plan evolution? Well, what would be the factors involved? What, what intelligence? Numerous intelligences? Singular intelligence? Uh, one deity in charge of everything? Or many different sub-deities, perhaps, that are given certain responsibilities? And the answer is all of the above. Really, because we do have the primal force, which is the first source and center of all things, where all things uh, of an energy level, spirit energy, personality circuits, all these things come from an original source. And so we can designate that as God if we choose. If God becomes the symbol of that initial primal force uh, that that has uh, omnipresence everywhere, uh, measurable by energy, by the way. You know, God's energy is infinite, but that doesn't mean it's it's complete. Uh, there's still potential. You know, this whole uh, absolute, sub-absolute conversation is about actuals and potentials. God in potential is all of, all of the above, but in actual, he may only be partially complete. And that's where the supreme, supreme being comes in. But I'll spare you all of that because this is much more interesting. And it reads from paper 65, and it also makes the same point. Many features of human life afford abundant evidence that the phenomena of mortal existence was intelligently planned, that organic evolution is not a mere cosmic accident. When a living cell is injured, it possesses the ability to elaborate certain chemical substances which are empowered so to stimulate and activate the neighboring normal cells that they immediately begin the secretion of certain substances which facilitate healing processes in the wound. And at the same time, these normal and uninjured cells begin to proliferate. They actually start to work creating new cells to replace any fellow cells which may have been destroyed by the accident. So, for an example, you get yourself cut on the arm, and the arm instantly kicks into action. On a cellular level, all of these cells in that area begin to proliferate and replace the injured cells. So what they're saying is that process in and of itself proves that the universe is not accidental, that is intentional, and it was designed to carry out a certain function. You know, when you think about when you walk around in your daily life and you see just for example, when we were traveling recently, think about all the different people and what their jobs are. You've got people who fly the plane. You've got people who clean the plane. You've got people who build airports to facilitate the planes. You have all of these independent operators, but they're all really working towards one same common goal. And that's a trait that should convince all of us that life is intelligently controlled we are all intelligent and we are all part of a process. And yet, unconsciously almost, 
It does seem as if everybody instinctively knows what to do and what path to take to get to the point where you can be a functioning part of society. Uh, and you have energy uh, workers, people who set up the electrical lines, and, and there, are, there are parallels to this in the Marantia world where heaven takes place. Only in that realm, the realm to come, uh, these beings are created for the specific purpose of carrying out. So, for example, you have somebody was telling me today that there are entities that control the black holes, personality beings that are created specifically to have that ability to manage and redirect large amounts of energy, power center directors. That's what they're called. And these power center directors are able to manipulate the energy of the suns. That's how much that's how much influence they have over that particular element of reality. And only recently, and the reason I bring this up is because there was an article that came, I think you can find it on science.com, and it talks specifically about how they're discovering that these black holes, these dark islands of space as described in the Arantia book, are actually holding the suns in a gravitational tug almost like a spoke that's, that's keeping within its grasp, just like the sun, our sun, keeps our planets in grasp, but on a much grander level, much, much larger level. Can you imagine that, that they have beings that actually do that for a living or they are created for that particular purpose? How much power that would entail? So that, that in itself is demonstrable in the same way that a cell seeks to repair itself when it's been injured, it, it, but on a much smaller micro level. The, the chemical actions and reactions concerned in wound healing and cell reproduction represents the choice of the life carrier sons of a formula embracing over 100,000 phases and features of possible chemical reaction and biologic repercussions. So they're saying that the process of the, the healing cell was intentionally chosen out of a hundred thousand different ways of doing something, and it features a possible chemical reaction and biological or biologic repercussion. More than half a million specific experiments were made by the life carrier sons in their laboratories before they finally settled upon this formula for the Urantia life experience or experiment. Sorry. When Urantia scientists know more about these healing chemicals, they will become more efficient in the treatment of injuries, and indirectly, they will know more about controlling certain serious diseases. So that's a prophetic statement. When they're saying, when we know more about these healing chemicals, how to manipulate them, we can make them so that they can actually prevent or cure or control certain serious diseases. And this book was written in 1935, published in 1955. And we have recently, in the last 15 years now, have discovered the power of immunotherapy. And immunotherapy is a way of uh, instigating cells uh, into healing agents. And they use it in some cancer uh, prevention and some other diseases as well. Immunotherapy, look it up. That's what they're talking about here. So uh, since the life, or since life was established on Urantia, our world, Life carriers have improved this healing technique as it has in, been introduced to 
another Satania world, in that it affords more pain relief and exercises better control over the proliferation capacity of the associated normal cells. So the, what they're saying is since they've established this improved technique here, they've also taken it to other worlds that are also on an evolutionary path. Now that's that's a that's a great thing because it's saying so many different things. There's so many kernels of wonderful truth in that one paragraph. Number one, it establishes that there are personalities involved, uh, life carriers who improved a way of cells healing on our world. That was beneficial to other worlds where they have human beings, assumingly, just like us, that get diseases. And so it expands not just the achievement made here, but it applies it to the entirety of the system, which expands our worldview or galactic view, if you will. Isn't that amazing? So there's, on so many levels, their writings carry so many different morsels of truth. It goes on, it says, there were many unique features of the Urantia Life experiment, but the two outstanding episodes were the appearance of the Andonic race prior to the evolution of the six colored peoples and the later simultaneous appearance of the Sangic mutants in a single family. So kind of stop right there. They're saying two unique features of our world that are different from other worlds. Number one, there was a race of intelligent human beings prior to the evolution of the colored races. And most worlds, when they have, it is when they have the colored races that the advanced human species shows up. So based on my limited knowledge of archaeology, what I can tell you is this. The Andonic race appears to be the Denisovans. You hear about the Denisovans or Denisovans, and they are, uh, they are an old, that goes back 750,000 years. They believe that that race, our current scientists believe that Denisovans, Denisovans or Disonovans, I think, but they are a pre-colored race. They were, they were pre-Neanderthal, according to the latest scientific evidence, which concurs with the Urantia book. The Urantia book just has a different name for them. They call them the Andonic race because Andon and Fanta were the first two. The six colored races didn't appear until a half a million years later, and it also appeared after the Neanderthal. So there was an intermediary inter, uh, race, the Neanderthals. We have the Denisovans, then the Neanderthals, then the modern humans, the modern Homo sapiens. And there was one further advancement, and that was with the Adamites. So, of course, there are other chapters that deal with all of that, but that's basically basically the lineage. And uh, it is consistent. The Urantia book description, while the names are different, is consistent with this timeline. Uh the Urantia is the first world in Satania where the six colored races sprang from the, the same human family, and they were the Sangiks. And there are chapter dedicated to what happened to that colored race family. It's, it's a, a fascinating chapter. They write, They ordinarily arise in diversified strains from independent mutations within the pre-human animal stock and usually appear on Earth one at a time and successively over long periods of time, beginning with the Red Man and passing on down through the colors to the indigo. So in normal uh, worlds outside of our own, the colored races appear over time. So first they're 
are red men that are, or humans that have red skin that are born. And then after that, it's orange and then blue and yellow and then on all the way down to the violet race. But on our world, it all started at the same time and it was from one family. On an ordinary inhabited world, a planetary prince would have been granted on the request of the life carriers at or sometime after the appearance of Andon and Fanta. But Urantia having been designated a life modification planet, it was by pre-agreement that the Melchizedek observers, 12 in number, were sent as advisors to the life carriers and as overseers of the planet until the subsequent arrival of the planetary prince. These Melchizedeks came at the time Andon and Fanta made the decision which enabled thought adjusters to indwell their mortal minds. And hence the spirit fragment of the Father, and I'm, I'm, I'm adding this, uh, entered into the minds of human beings on our world. And it was a, a tremendously major event. It was a demarcation. But they're saying here that the in normal circumstances when the mind or the spirit fragment of the Father enters a human mind, the thought adjuster, that is when the planetary prince arrives with his staff and thus begins the, the instruction, if you will, the training of human beings towards more progressive evolutionary levels, if that makes any sense. Your world is the only planet in Satania where the human type of will appeared in a pre-colored race. And the ancestors of this pre-colored race, according to the Arantia book, are the Eskimos. So... And it concludes with this, but in our effort to provide for the combination and association of inheritance factors which finally gave rise to the mammalian ancestors of the human race, we were confronted with the necessity of permitting hundreds of thousands of other and comparatively useless combinations and associations of inheritance factors to take place. Many of these seemingly strange byproducts of our efforts are certain to meet your gaze as you dig back into the planetary past. And I can well understand how puzzling some of these things must be on the limited human viewpoint. And what they're talking about are transition species. We see a lot of these in nature. We also have transition, uh, transition organisms that became more parasitical than they anticipated, which is why we're plagued with so many different diseases. It also states that many of these diseases, parasitic in nature, are from the vegetative strain, which may aid, and I think it does aid, in a lot of our medicines. So on so many levels, obviously, that's such a great excerpt from the Arantia book. And it says a lot. It says a lot. It says that uh, our, our existence is intelligently planned and intelligently guided. It gives a time frame. And it also talks about, at the end there, uh, it talks about we're puzzled by a lot of what we see. And it's true. I mean, you know, the standing scientific, the true hypothesis is that human beings came from Africa. And it's because primarily we have Louis Leakey and his discovery of Lucy, the three million year old fossil from somewhere in Central Africa. And that could very well be one of many species that that emerged through that period of two million years when the mid-mammals first arrived, and then eventually Andon and Fanta a little less than a million years ago. But one thing that is agreed upon is that Homo sapien did appear at about a million years ago, and we have continued to advance. We continue to advance. We continue to evolve, 
but they say that the number of races is done. We have what we have, and this is all we have to deal with. And maybe in future uh, episodes, we'll go into the characteristics of each of the different races uh, that emerge from the single Sankic family, because it's a fascinating story. And a lot of it is uh, relative to some of the behaviors that we see today between the different cultures in the world. Uh, it explains a lot about China. It explains a lot about the blue man and uh, how the blue man, with the admixture of the Nodites and later the Adamites, uh, emerged into the Caucasians, uh, how the Adamite blood uh, made it through all the different races in the world and what contributions it made to each of the races. So it's fascinating to read about it. We'll get to some of that because I, I have personally have always had a little anthropological bug in me. Wonderful to have you, and I hope you'll share these podcasts. And we have a lot to talk about regarding the Revelation in, in episodes to come where I want to get into what is our role as receivers of this Revelation and, and what's our unified purpose? What are we trying to do? Is it just spreading the teachings or something more? So we'll get into that subject in future episodes here on the Arantia Radio Podcast. My name is Jim Watkins, and I appreciate you so much. And feel free to communicate with us, Radio at gmail.com.